Stanley Johnson. I've got a great family. I've got a four-bedroom house in a great community. Like my car? It's new. I even belong to the local golf club. How do I do it? I'm in debt up to my eyeballs. I can barely pay my finance charges. Somebody help me. Oh, yes, Stanley Johnson. 2005, I believe, is when that Lending Tree commercial came out. I think it's just as relevant today as it was in 2005, right? You've seen those people. You've seen the one who has everything. You've seen them and they have a smile on their face and they are in debt up to their eyeballs. Maybe you relate to Stanley Johnson and that feels a little like it's hitting a little too close to home, right? We are in a new message series today, a three-week series called The Elephant in the Room. If you want to go ahead and go to that slide, there we go, The Elephant in the Room. We're going to talk about something that we don't like to talk about. We don't want to talk about it. It's things that we try to ignore. It's the elephant in the room. Today, that thing is debt. We're taking our our motivation for this series, our inspiration from Proverbs 13. Proverbs 13, verse 7 says, One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. You've met these people. You've seen them. You've seen them driving through your neighborhood and you're thinking, how in the world did they get that truck? You see the pictures on social media of the vacation and you think, how, what? That vacation? There's no way they could pay for it. Oh, well, they didn't. Visa did. They'll pay for it later with interest. And we can judge. We judge. But we do the same thing. Dave Ramsey, financial advisor, and and who I'm leaning on a lot in some of this message, says that we buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. And so often, it's true, we end up in all kinds of debt. But why in the world are we talking about this in church? Why talk about debt in church, Dustin? Why don't you just pick up as a description and tell us what is in there? I would love to do that. I would much rather do that than talk about debt today. This is a different kind of message. But I believe sometimes we have to talk about the hard things because God wants to do something in our lives and the hard things are often the things that hold us back. We're gonna talk about debt today in church because God wants you to live a life of freedom. God wants you to live a life of freedom. We see that in the cross. That is exactly what the cross shows us. That God is sending his son Jesus to live a perfect life, to die a death on a cross and to rise again so that we could be free from the debt of sin and the penalty of death. God wants you to live a life of freedom. Galatians 5.1 puts it this way. It is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. God wants us to live this life of freedom and yet so often we find ourselves enslaved by a lot of different things. Some of those things we're more comfortable talking about than others. But one of the things that enslaves us is debt. Proverbs, what is it, 22.7? Yes, 22.7, the rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. You're created to be free, 
to live a life of freedom and yet we put ourselves in chains so often, don't we? We're created to live a life of freedom because God wants you to be able to follow where the Holy Spirit leads and financially to leave a wake of generosity behind you. So I have a question. If today God led you to do something extremely generous to somebody, you knew of somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a family member, and God lays on your heart, I need you to help them. Would you be able to do it? If we announced that we were going to do a mission trip to a third world country to build schools or something, and you felt the Holy Spirit just go, I want you on that trip, would you be able to do it or would debt keep you from being able to follow in the freedom that God wants you to live in? Friends, life is stressful enough with things we can't control to put on the extra weight and chain that comes with debt. Now I know not all debt's created equal. Sometimes we don't make the decision. Sometimes things like medical debt happens. But a lot of times we end up getting ourselves into trouble by, by trying to live beyond our means. But what would it look like? What would it look like? What would it feel like for you to be able to let go of this chains? To be free. What would that feel like? Now, I know for some, you're hearing this and you're already going ahead. I know we were going to talk about this today. I absolutely would not have come here because my anxiety level is going up. I do not want to talk about this. Take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. I don't condemn you. God doesn't condemn you for your debt. And I hope that by the time that we're through here, that you can see and feel a little bit of hope. A little bit of hope rise up that with God, all things are possible and you can get out of those chains and live that life of freedom. For others, you are thinking, I don't have an issue with this. This is not something that I really struggle with. Can I ask you to do something very, very important? Can you pray for the people who are struggling as they hear this? Can you pray for them that that they would have a peace, that they would hear what God desires for them. Life is hard enough, isn't it? But I believe today we can get free from the chains of death. First, or chains of debt. Chains of death, we can get free through Jesus Christ. The chains of debt, that one's a little bit different. So let's look at this today. First, I want to look at some statistics. If you feel like you are going, oh, we're talking about debt today, that really isn't very many of us. I feel alone in this. You are not alone. Statistically, you are in the majority. 77%. So essentially, 8 out of 10 households have consumer debt of some sort. That includes a mortgage. And I'm not saying a mortgage is a bad thing. I mean, housing, having a house is a good thing, right? Now, we can get ourselves into trouble when we try to buy too much house and we can't afford those payments. I'm not trying to suggest that a mortgage is a bad thing. But you know, if you have a mortgage, that there are times when it'd be really nice to have that mortgage payment, not go to the mortgage company. (laughs) 77% of households have consumer debt. That is the largest consumer debt uh, amount in the United States. The second largest is student loans. Student loans, right now it's $1.57 trillion of student loan debt in the United States. This blew my mind. The average person with student loan debt, the average household, has $38,792 of student loan debt. That's a $393 monthly payment. 
I did a deal on social media about that, and I'm not going to go there because I'll get myself into trouble talking about that stuff. The next one, after student loan debt, is auto loans. $1.42 trillion in auto loan debt. Right now, the average new car monthly payment is $725. Used cars are $516 a month. And we just keep stretching those payments out, don't we? used to be four years, now it's five years, now it's six years. We just keep stretching it out. And I love cars, don't get me wrong. I love cars and I love stuff. But the one I'm going to pick on a little bit here, number three, credit card debt. Credit card debt. For the first time this last quarter, past $1 trillion in debt, it is now at $1.03 trillion. For households with credit card debt, it is a $15,000 thereabout average. Oh, and by the way, at over 20% interest right now. Friends, this is not sustainable. We can't keep living like this. Normal is broke. Defaults are already beyond pre-pandemic levels. And these student loans, they have been paused for a few years. Guess what? They're about to start again. That number is going to crush some people. Normal is broke. It's time to get a little bit weird. It's time to change this. NerdWallet did a study on how Americans are feeling about their consumer debt. And the top two answers on how Americans are feeling about their consumer debt is anxious and overwhelmed. Some of you know that. You know that feeling. That's not the freedom that God wants for you. And there are two prevailing attitudes that at least I see in my own life and I see in the world around us. And I'm going to say this first one, and and I think it applies a lot to a younger generation, but I will also say now that I'm somewhere stuck in the middle between younger and older, we have not given the younger generation a very good economic life to walk into. Mortgages, housing, rent, I'm not going to go there. Two attitudes I see. Number one, I see mostly in myself and in younger generations. I don't want to wait. And the one I see in older generations, I deserve this. Both get us into trouble, don't they? Both get us into all kinds of trouble. I don't want to wait, and I deserve this because I have waited. And it gets us into debt. It gets us back into the chains. When I picked this up at the store yesterday, I realized these chains are a lot heavier than they look like. (laughs) That's a good illustration, isn't it? Those chains are a little heavier than you thought they were. That chain... It's not worth it. So we're going to look at some wisdom found in the Bible. And now, now I'm going to try to bring you back up because that's a little depressing, isn't it? But it's time to make some changes. I hope that kind of gets you a little frustrated. This whole debt thing, especially the credit card world, is not designed for you to win. Somebody's winning at the tune of a little over $100 billion a year. But it's not you and I if we're trying to go into debt. It's time to get a little angry with that and say, you know what? I'm done with this. I don't want this anymore in my life. So we're going to look at the Bible because we need biblical wisdom. We don't need any more of the world's wisdom when it comes to our finances because the world's wisdom is absolutely broke. So let's look in scripture. We find, we find all kinds of information and and all kinds of, of, uh, wisdom in the word, especially in the Proverbs when it comes to this issue of debt. 
But one of the passages that I want to look at, we're going to look at 2 Kings 4, 1 through 7. But what I want to say first is that in Scripture, debt is never considered a sin issue. Now, it may be connected to a sin issue. Like, we can go into debt because we aren't trusting that God is going to provide for us, as he says he will, or, or that we have made idols out of things or money. But debt in and of itself is not a sin issue. Scripture also never say, refers to debt as a good thing, though. It's something to be avoided, especially co-signing. But we're going to look in 2 Kings 4 today and see what we can learn as we try to get out of debt, to break these chains of debt. 2 Kings 4, beginning in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elisha said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him and shut the door behind her and her sons. And they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. (laughs) I can hear somebody already going, praise the Lord. He's going to do a miracle and it's going to happen right now. I'm going to pull out my wallet. I I don't have it on me. I'm going to pull out my wallet. And every time I pull a hundred dollar bill out, there's going to be another hundred dollar bill in there. Praise the Lord. This ain't that kind of church. Sorry. Yes, God did a miracle and he will do a miracle in your life, but it's going to look a lot more ordinary than that probably. But let's, let's not get stuck on this miracle thing. I think there are some things in here that we can pull out that can benefit us in our own quest to get out of debt. You see this widow, her husband dies. We don't know how he got into debt. Not all debt is created equal. It it could have been a stupid decision. It could have just been something that happened over time. When the creditor is coming to take her sons as slaves, the borrower is slave to the lender. There are consequences to debt. But what can we see in here? The first thing that I see in here that I I believe will help us is, and these are some fill in the blanks. I know some of you are excited to have some fill in the blanks today. Number one, go to God first. Go to God first. The widow goes to Elisha, and you're thinking, what? That's not God. That's Elisha. This is the Old Testament. Elisha is a prophet of God. And in the Old Testament, if you wanted to hear from God, you went to the prophets. So essentially, by going to Elisha, this widow is saying, I need God's help, and I'm going to go to God first. Notice, she didn't go to the bank. She didn't go to her friends. I mean, she maybe already tried that. But she went to God first. She had a physical problem, but often when we see those physical problems, we don't realize that every physical problem has a spiritual implication. She went to God first. Philippians 4.19 says this, my God will meet your every need out of his riches in the glory that is found in Christ Jesus. He will meet your every need. Go to God first. First. 
It may seem illogical. It may seem like I need to go to the creditors first. Go to God first. So she goes to Elisha and she says, Elisha, help. We have this problem. They're coming to take my sons and put them in slavery. What do I do? And Elisha says, what can I do? What do you have? What do you have? She says, well, I don't really have anything except for a little bit of oil. But I mean, what good is that? Number two that I see in here is use what you have. Use what you have. All she seemed to have was this little bit of oil, but in the hands of a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the hands of a God who will provide for her every need, she had what she needed. Sometimes God has already given you exactly what you need. He's already given it to you. And I think sometimes when we do, we do this idea, we think, oh, well, I'm going to try to get out of debt. And so I need to have this big, grandiose idea. I'm going to start this company that's going to make a million dollars in six weeks. Or I'm going I'm to learn a new skill, so I'm going to go back to school first, and then we'll start to get out of debt. No, just use what you have. What has God already given you? What skills do you have? The greatest tool in getting out of debt is going to be your existing income. Learning how to manage it wisely. What do you have that you could sell? What skills do you have? What do you have? Use what you have. That should give you a little bit of freedom. You don't have to create something new. Use what you have. You don't need to go start selling some multi-level marketing thing on Facebook. Use what you have. And then I love this advice that he tells her. He says, gather the jars, gather the oil, get your sons together. And he says, go inside and shut the door. Shut the door and get to work. Shut the door. Notice what she doesn't do. The widow doesn't go to Elisha and and give him all kinds of like, this is a bad idea, Elisha. Why are you telling me to do this? We don't even get a thank you from the widow in the text. She just goes inside, shuts the door and gets to work. What does that look like? So often when we want to start something new, whether it's losing weight or getting out of debt or whatever, for some reason, we think we need to tell everybody about it. You know, oh, I'm going to go start losing weight. This, look at my breakfast. Here's a picture for social media. We don't need to see your breakfast, y'all. We don't. Just shut the door and get to work. Sometimes we just need to shut the door and get to work. Do what God has said. Get to work. Proverbs 6 is a, is a heavy proverb. And it's about co-signing for a loan. If you got caught co-signing, if you have signed for somebody and you really shouldn't have signed for them. And Proverbs 6, in the middle of it, I think this applies to here. So do this, my son, to free yourself. Since you have fallen into your neighbor's hands, go to the point of exhaustion and give your neighbor no rest. Allow no sleep to your eyes, no slumber to your eyelids. Free yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the snare of the fowler. Sometimes you just have to go inside, shut the door and get to work. Watch this video. And my great friend, the fabulous motivator from a whole nother decade or two ago, Les Brown, said, when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, that's when you finally say the magic words of transformation. I've had it! 
When you have an I've had it moment, you are about ready to change your life. Changing your life is not an intellectual dance or some kind of theoretical idea. It's you get sick and tired of being sick and tired. I've had it. Then you will change. American Express called my house when we were going broke. I was 28 years old. Rachel was a brand new baby. My wife would have left, but she didn't have a car. <laughs> American Express called my house. We were going, we were so broke. It was awful. I had done every stupid thing, made Ramsey callers look like geniuses. I had done every stupid thing. And the guy calls my house and he's trying to collect $1,166.42 on an American Express bill. You know how I remember it? Because I got so mad. Because he asked my wife why she would stay with a man that wouldn't pay his bills. We don't do business with American Express 40 years later, I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Still, I was redneck hillbilly hopping mad, ready to drive Jacksonville, Florida, drag him out of his little cubicle and beat the snot out of him. <laughs> Because she called me at the office crying and said, he said, he said, he said, what, 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 would I, would I stay with a man who wouldn't pay his bills? And I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> That's funny now. Right then I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was mad. I'd had it. And I'm still mad 40 years later. And when I talk to one of you and your life has been broken over the knee of a credit card company or broken over the knee of Sally Mae, or you've gotten yourself into a mess with your own stupid butt choices, same kind of stuff I've done in my life, I feel exactly that same kind of anger for you, with you, and sometimes a little bit at you. Get it done. Fix it. Get mad. It's time to change something. It's time to change something. It's time to change, but here's the good news. I do believe you can do this. I do believe that with God's help, you can do this. And so I want to give you some very, very practical uh, application to this. Uh, these come from a financial peace university. A lot of them, uh, that's actually Dave Ramsey. That is his class. We'll talk about that more in just a minute. I'm going to give you these tools, but I also want to tell you, if you will go to the hub, text the word huts to 94,000, you will see at the bottom of the hub, there's a tab that says resources. Under resources, if you click on that, you will see the ones that I'm about to talk about and more links to these links to the apps, links to things that will help you tools that will help you. We can't control a lot. We can't control a lot about the economy and a lot about how everything seems to be way more expensive. I mean, compared to the 1980s, almost everything is up over 20 times. Wages are up only six times. I know it's hard but you can do this. Here are some practical tips. Uh, dad joke, sorry. Here's a dad joke incoming. Warning. You know how you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Here are some bites that you can take. Bite number one. I think I've already said this, but I'm going to say it again. Pray first. Pray first. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you as well. Matthew six thirty three. That's my life verse. Pray first, go to God first, because whatever we seek first gives direction and guidance to every other part of our lives. And so if you seek first to get out of debt, that's going to give guidance and direction to every other part of your life, probably in ways you don't want. Money becomes an idol in that situation easily. 
But if you will seek first Jesus, if you will seek first his kingdom, you will have the presence of Jesus in the midst of every other part of your life, including where you're trying to get out of debt and where you have his presence, you have his power. So pray first. Number two, stop going into debt. (laughs) Live within your means. Ecclesiastes 5.10, this one hits. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Stop going into debt. Sometimes we just have to, it's the old Bob Newhart. Some some of you know the clip I'm talking about. Stop it. Just stop it. We've got to stop going into debt. Now I will tell you, in our family, I'm the spender. Kelly is the saver. I'm the spender. I like things. I like stuff. If it has wheels or lights or electricity or it blinks or it goes fast, I like it. I know it's hard. Sometimes we just got to say enough. Live within our means. Stop going into debt. Number three, save $1,000 quickly. 56% of Americans cannot cover a $1,000 emergency. Those are going to come. Those emergencies are going to come. This $1,000 is simply the beginning of a... Of a, of a What is the word I'm looking for? Emergency fund. Thank you. Somebody whispered that emergency fund. It's the beginning of an emergency fund. You will need an emergency fund because emergencies will happen for us. Our air conditioner went out this year. Thankfully, we had an emergency fund. We were able to to replace all of that and not have to worry as much. We still had to replenish that emergency fund, but you need that. So begin to save a thousand dollars as quickly as you can. Number four, tithe. Oh, here you go, Pastor Dustin. You got this. Yeah, tithe. No, I'm serious. Tithing is giving 10%, the first 10% of our income to God through the local church. That is tithing. And that sounds like the worst advice to give somebody as they're trying to go out of debt. But tithing does some things to us. Tithing breaks that that idol of money and things in our lives. Tithing acknowledges that we have been blessed by God and so that we can in turn be a blessing to him and to others. Tithing also says that if you will give me that first 10%, if you will give God that first 10%, he is going to bless the rest. And I would much rather be trying to get out of debt on 90% that is blessed than on 100% on my own power. More on that in a future week. Number five, use the debt snowball. The debt snowball is, is this idea from FBU. You list your debts from smallest to largest. And you pay minimum payments on everything except for that smallest debt. And you just start attacking that, that lowest debt. And you just attack it till you pay it off. And then you move on to the next one. And you attack it till you pay it off. And you move on to the next one. And if you will not become weary in doing good... At the right time, you will reap a harvest. It is hard. It is slow. But it works. You can do this. Now, some will say, no, don't do it that way. Do it with the highest interest rate first or the biggest one first. I don't care which way you do it, but just do something and attack it. The benefit of the snowball starting with the lowest is that you get some wins under your belt. And you need some wins under your belt as you're going through this process. So use the debt snowball. Number six, create and follow a monthly budget. 
Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. By creating and planning a monthly budget, or creating and following a monthly budget, every dollar that comes in is identified. Every dollar that goes out is identified. Every dollar has a name and you know where things are going. For Kelly and I, when we got married, I brought into our marriage some credit card debt and some student loans. And this was a game changer for us. Just creating a budget. Just being able to see where our money was coming from and where it was going was the biggest game changer for us. It allowed us to be able to pay those things off. It allowed us to be able to save and do the things that we wanted to do. Creating and following, that's a hard one sometimes, a monthly budget. And this, this is not just for those who feel like you are living paycheck to paycheck. If you are a high income earner, if you don't worry, you aren't at that season in life where you're worrying about uh, your your cash flow and things like that, that's awesome. You also need to create and follow a monthly budget because a lack of worry does not create a lack of accountability. A lack of worry does not create a lack of accountability. You and I will be responsible. We will give account for how we use what God has given us. And if God has has given us much, we need to be good stewards of what he has given us. I hesitate to tell you this just because I don't want it to sound like I'm I'm wanting you to pat me on the back. I said, when, when, when Kelly and I got married 19 years ago, I brought some credit card debt and some student loan debt. And I only tell you this because it's possible. Today, the only debt that we have is our mortgage and we owe about six years on it. And that's not for any other purpose than to tell you that it is possible. You can do this. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. It is possible to break free from the chains of debt. And I will tell you, Kelly has had to drag me kicking and screaming more times than you would like to count. Because I like my stuff and I whine. I am very gifted at whining. But this isn't worth it. This isn't worth it. It's not easy. But I believe you can do it. And I'm about to have a a kid in college, so I can't guarantee you that it's going to stay the way it is. But you can do this. God wants you to live a life of freedom. He wants you to live a life of freedom, able to follow where the Holy Spirit leads and leave a wake of generosity behind you to not be hindered by things like debt. And I believe that if you will today commit to doing this, I believe that this series, I believe this time in your life, not because of what we are doing here in this church, but because of the decision you will make. And with God's help, this can be a day that you look back on and say, right there, that was the, that was the line in the sand where we said no more. Where my future isn't being held back because of decisions I made in the past. You can do this. It's worth it. It's hard, but it is worth it. If you will, as Dave Ramsey says, live like no one else, someday you can live and give like no one else. So I have three action steps for you. Action step number one, commit to paying off all your consumer debt. Commit to attack it, to pay it off, to get a little frustrated with it and stick to it. Number two, 
Sign up for Financial Peace University. There's going to be a little more on that here in just a second. I'm going to show a little commercial for it. and You'll learn a little bit more about it. Financial Peace University isn't just about uh, eliminating debt. It's about learning how to save, learning how to invest, learning how to give and how to, how to spend wisely and how to do those monthly budgets. Financial Peace University was a game changer for us, and I believe it will be a game changer for you. You can sign up today on the hub. Uh, I've already said it. Text the word Hutch to 94,000. You can get a link there in the what's happening. Sign up for Financial Peace University. Here's the thing. We believe in this program so much. Here's, here's the deal we will make with you. If you will sign up, you will see that it is $79.99. $79.99. You don't need the $99 one. Do the $79. If you will sign up for this class and if you will complete the class, we will give you $100. You have nothing to lose. You will gain $20. The only thing you have to lose is some debt. You can do this. It'll be on Wednesday nights beginning September 20th. So if your kids aren't already coming to our amazing kids activities on Wednesday, they're going to love it. It's a nine-week class. You can do this. Sign up for Financial Peace University. And number three, be here the next two weeks. I know the elephant in the room is not fun to talk about. I can list about 700 other messages I would much rather share this morning. But sometimes we have to address the hard things. And sometimes we have to do the work so we can live the way that God has created us to live. Let me pray for us. God, you are the one who, who through the cross has set us free. Through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we have a hope and a future. That this world is not all there is. That we are not just storing up treasures for ourselves on earth, but we are storing up treasures in heaven. And so, God, I pray that you would help us to live that life of freedom here and now. To be a little bit different in a world that seems to be going broke more and more by the day. God, I pray for those here who hear my voice online in this room. And they just feel this ball of anxiety in their stomach. God, I pray that you would give a peace and a hope and a strength and an endurance that you are with them and that with you all things are possible. God, would you help us to resist that that draw to the material side of this world, to enjoy life, but to do it within the means that we have. Would you help us to be good stewards of the, the great blessings that you have poured out on us? It's in Jesus' name.